Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of From Russia with News, a weekly news and analysis podcast produced by the Moscow Times. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Millions of citizens of Russia are united by the Olympic dream. I view the Russians as a far greater challenge that we have. President Putin, uh, he just said it's not Russia. A unique country, not bad, not bad at all. My name is Jonathan Brown, and I'm an editor here in our newsroom in central Moscow. This week on the program, we'll be speaking with Yevgenia Albats, the chief editor and CEO of The New Times. This week, the online magazine managed to crowdsource an incredible $330,000 in just four days to help pay a government fine, which might otherwise have brought about the closure of the magazine. We'll ask what the campaign says about the state of independent media in Russia and whether there's hope for outlets critical of the Kremlin. The Russian people are very sensitive to unjust. We are the nation of survivors. And later in the program, we'll be joined in the studio by Henry Foy, the Moscow bureau chief for the Financial Times. We'll be discussing sanctions and Henry's most recent piece, which caused a stir on Twitter this week by suggesting that Russia isn't as concerned about sanctions as the West might like it to be. The world has changed since 2014 and Russia has taken every advantage it can. We'll ask whether the West needs to reconsider its approach. First up... Back in October, the liberal-leaning outlet The New Times magazine was slapped with a huge fine by a court in Moscow for neglecting to disclose funding it had received from abroad. The penalty, equivalent to $329,000, was described as the largest in Russian media history. Most observers saw the move as a politically motivated attempt to see the outlet shuttered for good. Joining us on the line is Yevgenia Albats, editor and CEO of The New Times. Hello. Hi, Evgenia. This is uh, Jonathan Brown at the Moscow Times. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Evgenia, what was going through your head back in October whenever the New Times was hit with this fine? Did at any point this feel like it could be the, the end of the paper? Oh, absolutely. That's exactly how it felt. I thought that that's the end of the story, that we were going through the bankruptcy. Since I don't have money, most likely I will have to emigrate with unclear possibility to return back to Moscow anytime soon. That's exactly what I thought. You've said earlier that more than 20,000 people donated to save the paper. The New Times has tried crowdfunding before to keep the print edition from going under, but it had to close down anyway last year. Why do you think this time was different? Why do you think people chose to to donate this time? I get a, a Russian... Society, Russian people are very sensitive to injustice. We are the nation of survivors. We survived through blood, through Stalinist dictatorship, through 70 plus years of totalitarian state. We are, and we do understand this necessity to help to those who suffer, who are under persecution, who are under oppression from the side of the omnipotent state. I think that's the reason why it happened. Putin's spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, earlier this week somewhat cynically congratulated the paper for having raised this incredible sum of money. But are you at all worried that the authorities could just hand out another fine in a week or two, or a month or two, a year or two? It may happen or may not happen. Somebody the other day told me that they could punish me with a bullet in my head, but they chose to find me. Agree that the latter option is a little bit better than the former one, isn't it? Certainly. 
How did it feel to be able to raise that incredible sum of money, knowing that it would be going immediately to the authorities? First of all, it won't go immediately to the authorities. We still have a couple of courts ahead of us. We appealed, and appeal will be heard in the uh, district court on November the 20th. Uh, if we lose, we will appeal to a couple of other courts, including the uh, highest court in the land. If we lose, we will go to the European Court in, of Justice in Strasbourg. Uh, however, uh, you know, I feel very, very proud of my fellow citizens. I feel proud of uh, Russian civil society who is so capable to resist. We're still alive and we're still capable to fight. And when you say us, do you mean Russian independent media in general or specifically the New Times? I see. I mean the New Times, the Russian independent media, whatever left in general, and more Russian civic society. Do you think that this example more broadly, this fundraising campaign, does it show that... Uh, does it show that liberal media has turned a corner and will be more able to rely on its readers in the future financially? We do. We go step by step. Do what you want and then expect the <laughs> outcome. <laughs> so. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today, Yevgenia. Yep. Good luck. In 2014, when Russia annexed the Crimean Peninsula from Ukraine, Western countries responded by unleashing the first in an installment of economic sanctions. They were supposed to reel in Vladimir Putin and force Russia to improve its geopolitical behavior. But have the sanctions worked? Helping us answer this question today is Henry Foy, the Financial Times bureau chief here in Moscow. Henry, since the West first imposed sanctions in 2014, the Kremlin has allegedly meddled in elections, helped Bashar Assad wage a brutish war in Syria, and attempted to kill a former Russian spy in England. All the while, Russia's economy seems to be chugging along. Is this the result Western officials hoped for? I mean, patently, this isn't what they wanted. I mean, I think uh, it was pretty clear in 2014 when these sanctions were brought in that the idea was to curb uh, any kind of overseas um, actions by Vladimir Putin that the West thought were that the West thought were unpalatable. Um, Jack Lew, who was Obama's U.S. Treasury Secretary in 2014, when the sanctions were brought in, said, and I quote, Russia's economic and diplomatic isolation will continue to grow as long as its actions do not live up to its words. I mean, as you've just listed there, large evidence, large body of evidence that its actions haven't lived up to its words. And yet there's no, there's no real reaction, if you like, from the Kremlin. I mean, there are some uh, analysts out there that will tell you these actions that you've listed are a sign that sanctions are working, that Mr. Putin is running out of ideas, he's running out of options, he's lashing out, he's making mistakes. Um, I'm inclined to not think that's the case. And I think actually the world has shifted a little bit uh, when you look at the opportunities that Syria, the Syrian war opened up for Mr. Putin in the Middle East, um, the relationship with China and how Mr. Trump's trade war on China has opened up the possibility there of a closer alliance. The world has changed since 2014 and Russia has taken every advantage it can. You've mentioned on Twitter that analysts based in the West think sanctions are more effective than those who actually live and work here in Russia. Do you have a sense of why that 
could be the case? I mean, look, I don't want to speak for, for them, but I, I say there are two main, major reasons that, that I would uh, suggest. The first is that, you know, I, I get to see what's really happening here. I, I, I go to Yamal, I go to Sabeth, I see Yamal LNG, this $28 billion project built with French shareholders with Chinese money. I mean, that is a concrete example. I, I see factories in the Urals where Boeing is opening up with Russian partners and the U.S. ambassador is in attendance. I see Daimler building a factory outside of, of Moscow. So it's hard for me to pretend that these things aren't happening if I'm seeing that that's happening and also the stream of prime ministers and presidents that, that you too see here in Moscow once a week uh, goes by without some major power coming to, to, to pay their respects if you like to Mr. Putin um, and the second would be that Speaking uh, certainly for Western think tanks, I mean, a, a part of their job is to is to defend their own ideas. I mean, a lot of these uh, right wing or even just centrist U.S. think tanks were part of that body of intellectuals that created the sanctions. I mean, so they are going to defend their own handiwork, if you like. And there's a lot of echo chambers, I think, around um, um, foreign policy in in the West, uh, particularly in in Brussels or, or, or London or, or Washington. And I think, you know, they see the British government or the French government uh, banging the drum for more sanctions. They, they they see the rhetoric, but they don't seem to look at the details such as, you know, BP, one of Britain's biggest uh, corporates, taking $1.3 billion in dividends out of Rosneft since 2014 and paying it to their shareholders. So if sanctions aren't having the effect that some Western officials might like, what what are they doing? What 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 fruits of sanctions can we see? Sure. I mean, look, the, the piece I wrote this week uh, was about diplomatic isolation and how that has failed. I think in other areas you are seeing an impact. I mean, certainly economically, the uh, the, the the damage that's been done to Russia's economy by the sanctions over time, I think, is 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 obvious for most people to see. At the moment, that is a little bit a little bit uh, softened by the the oil price and the current commodities rally. If those two things went here, if oil was at thirty five and commodities were, were were half the price of uh, around sort of twenty sixteen levels, it'd be a much much bleaker picture here. And I think it would be much more obvious that sanctions had had the impact. Also, look at the way the oligarchs are, are acting. Um, we at the FT had a scoop last week that that. Three Three um, Russian oligarchs were banned from Davos, and that's caused a lot of consternation in the Kremlin and, 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 and inside the, the government that this is not right, that Western forums, especially those in Switzerland, where there's no technical uh, or legal impediment to allowing these Russians to attend, are, are banning people. That's not right. And so there is a bristling here. There is a, there is a sense that this is not fair. And I think that that, that is slowly starting to make people realize that if sanctions are long-term, they're going to have to have uh, plans for that. And so the the impacts are, are more in, in the way the Kremlin has pivoted. Uh, the, the relationship with China is written about from the West mainly as a dangerous thing, but I think uh, the Russians aren't particularly happy with it either, but that's the, the option that they have. Uh, I think the Middle Eastern play at the moment with, that Vladimir Putin is, is, is pushing into is, is a popular one. Uh, amongst foreign policy chiefs here that think Russia should have more clout, but it remains to be seen how easy that will be to continue and and what the long-term benefits or or drawbacks will be for Russia. We've seen throughout history, or at least throughout the last hundred years, imperial powers or foreign powers trying to to have their way in the Middle East often become unstuck. Um, I think... It's it's important to, to take these arguments in 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 uh, step by step. Is are sanctions having an impact on the economy here? Yes, absolutely. Are they having a slight impact on the uh, opinion of the elites versus the West? Yes. 
Um, are they cutting off Russia from the rest of the world? Absolutely not. And so do Western policymakers need to think about what they really want to achieve? Absolutely. And I think that's a debate that hasn't really been happened at a very high level in the US, certainly in the US and, and, and not in Brussels either. What are we trying to achieve uh, as governments in the West? And um, what's our scorecard so far? If officials in the West see that Russia is not being isolated in the way that they hoped it might be back in 2014. What kind of tools are at their disposal do you think that they could implement to further isolate or punish Russia for what they see as aggressive behavior geopolitically? Yeah, I mean, I think they have the tools and they are the sanctions. They just need to start implementing them better. I mean, you need to find a way to make sure that that when you're, you're, you're trying to stop foreign oil and gas companies from investing in this in this economy or, or, or helping the Russian uh, economy essentially earn more in, in revenues from hydrocarbons, you need to stop them properly. Uh, a lot of the sanctions are written in a way that countries, certain countries have got loopholes for certain companies and certain companies uh, are, are playing uh, the sanctions exactly by the book and finding ways uh, around it. I don't think anyone is breaking the law here. Um, but I do think there are ways that if, if the West was absolutely serious about these sanctions, they can implement them a lot better. Um, there's also, of course, the option of, of more sanctions. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the reasons that the Russian economy and Russia's foreign policy apparatus has survived and, and done quite well so far is that the sanctions came in bit by bit. And so the, the, the countries had time to adjust. Uh, every single stage has been a little bit worse than the last one, but, but with a big enough gap. If you'd brought in the sanctions we have today... In July 2014, I think it would be a very different picture. Uh, there is talk, of course, on the Hill uh, in, in Washington that there could be quite draconian measures uh, attacking uh, Russia's access to financial markets and, and potentially the international banking system. I hear from people here that would be a real red line and, and that would cause huge consternation and would definitely make waves, but the response would be would be similarly drastic. And so I'm not sure the West is prepared to do that um, but again, it comes back to what I said in my, my previous answer. That the West needs to work out exactly what it wants to achieve here and, and how far it's prepared to go for that. Because I think we've seen over the last four years that um, some countries have, have sought to, to, to keep the hardline rhetoric and not really bring, uh, bring the rules in in reality. Henry Foy, thanks very much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to rate the podcast on iTunes. I'm Jonathan Brown. Our producer today was Piotr Sauer. And thank you to CM Records Studios in Moscow for hosting the show. Join us next week on From Russia with News. <laughs>